Let us begin our second Advent sermon with prayer. Eternal Lord, we ask you to work through the words of our sermon to comfort us while we wait for your answers to our numerous prayers and while we wait for your word to nourish and grow our faith. Keep us ever prepared that we do not grow drowsy or fall asleep while we await your son's return. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. Luke as recorded in chapter 1, verse 26 and 31 through 33. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee named Nazareth. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. This is the gospel of our Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Psalm 130 is most known for its opening. Out of the depths I call to you, O Lord. But I really like in verse 5 and following where it says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in His word I have put my hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning. More than watchmen wait for the morning. Israel, wait confidently for the Lord, because with the Lord there is mercy. With Him there is abundant redemption. That is life. Life is waiting for the Lord, waiting for His answers, waiting for His return. And in Advent, we put ourselves in the shoes of Old Testament believers and we wait. We wait since the promise given to Adam and Eve of a Savior. We wait since the promise was renewed to Shem, Noah's son, after the flood. We wait. We wait as it's given to Abraham. We wait as it's given to David. We wait. And 500 years after the return to Babylon, we wait as there is silence. Last week, the wait ended when Gabriel appeared to Zechariah and said, you will give birth to the Lord's forerunner. But Zechariah, he doubted. And last week, we learned that the Lord comes to those who doubt to strengthen their faith. But today, we come to someone who the Lord comes to with comfort because that person like Zechariah is waiting, waiting for the birth of the Savior, waiting and being given the great message. It's in your womb that the Savior will be conceived. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, tonight we see to whom does Jesus come? He comes with comfort to those who wait for what is soon to come, for what is months away and for what is years away. And so our text begins at verse 31. Well, it doesn't begin there, but that's where it, where it picks up. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Wow. There it is. You will conceive. We know that the baby John the Baptist leaps in the womb of his mother when Mary visits. So what's going to happen this conception? It's days at most Weeks away. Now, Zechariah in last week's text, when the angel appeared to him, says, I'm an old man and my wife is well past menopause. What sign are you going to give me? Because I'm having a hard time believing this. And the angel said, Duh! Angel standing here. What more of a miracle do you need? But when we get to verse 34, which is not part of today's sermon text, Mary has a different question. Her question doesn't begin, how can I possibly believe this? 
Her question is, how is the Lord going to work this? In verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? I know it's going to happen, just how is the Lord going to do it? The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary must wait. She only has to wait a couple of days to a couple of weeks. What's the Lord's answer to her waiting? What's the comfort he gives her? God says, don't worry about that. This is my work. In other words, it's God's work. Brothers and sisters in Christ, how often do we worry about things that are 24 and 48 hours away in the future? I have to admit, we live in an age when people couldn't even imagine being able to hop in a car, start it up, five minutes later, 20 degrees below zero, actually have some semblance of heat blowing out of it, have air conditioning, and yet we have become so reliable on those cars to get us to work that it's stressful when they break down, isn't it? It's kind of hard to wait to call the mechanic and be told, eh, I can't squeeze that in until next week. How am I going to get to work? How am I going to get the groceries? It's even more frustrating than when the mechanic calls you and says, figured out the problem, uh, the parts in the other side of the United States, it's going to be a few days, right? It's hard to wait. Sometimes, sometimes the most anxious things are just a few days away. And, and we live in an age they can take biopsies of parts of our bodies and, and then say, so you're going to have to wait to find out if it's cancer, but you're only going to have to wait a few days. And our hearts thump, tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. It's hard to wait. But brothers and sisters in Christ, God comes with comfort to those who wait for what is soon to come. He comes with the comfort again to assure us, as he does in Matthew chapter 6, you don't have to worry about what you're going to wear. That's my job. I've called you to your vocation in which you provide your services. But when it gets beyond your control, beyond your stewardship, stop worrying about it. That's in my hands. And isn't it amazing how the Lord has equipped us daily to handle the things we're going to be worried about in 24 hours? See, the greatest thing the Lord has done to do that for you is in your baptism. He sealed his Holy Spirit in your heart. Each day your new man awakes. Each day that sinful nature awakens as well. And yet you have a new man to battle that sinful nature because that sinful nature, he's whispering in your ears, God's not even worried about this one. This one's flying under God's radar. And yet your baptism reminds you every day, every day, even though you're only baptized once, you have a new man who's alive in Christ yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and forever. Now, let us not forget, God doesn't say, you have to do daily devotions. But let us not forget that daily when we're in the Word, for example, just taking a couple of minutes for devotions like meditations, how the Lord's word there also comes to us with the answers of what we're worried about in 24 and 48 hours to comfort us and reassure us that God is ruling over all creation and he has the next 48 hours and the next few weeks in his hands. So to whom does Jesus come? He comes with comfort to those who wait, waiting for what is soon to become. Like Psalm 130 said, waiting like the watchman waiting for the morning. And then, boom, there was the Lord's answer. And I didn't need to be worrying over these last 24, 48 hours. The angel says in verse 31, listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus. Now. We're looking past the conception in a couple of days, a couple of weeks. We're looking to what's nine months away. 
There's a hint. The name you're going to give him, Yahshua, from the Hebrew, Savior. And he says in verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary has to wait for months. Have you ever put yourself in Mary's shoes? Because I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters in Christ, only once has a child ever in human history ever been conceived outside of marriage without the act of intercourse. What am I getting at? How's this going to look for Joseph, whom she's engaged to? Joseph knows he hasn't had intercourse with her. Mary's got to be worrying. What's that going to look like? You can hide a pregnancy through the first trimester, but you get in that second and third, it gets pretty hard. Mary has no need to hide her pregnancy. What are the people going to say? Because you know, in a small town, people gossip. Even in a big town, people gossip. What's God's answer to all of this? There it was. Jesus, the name Savior. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The worry over what's months away, nine months away, the answer to that worry, the comfort is, this is God's Son. This is God's work. You don't need to worry about it because this is God's Son, your Savior. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, how often do you and I look to what is months away? Not knowing because we don't know the future. And like a child who as the sun sets, sits there in their bedroom and sees the shadows starting to grow and they get more concerned and they start pulling the blankets more and more over their heads. We see as the time comes by, as we wait with big things in our life. Oh boy, what's coming up? What's coming up? What's coming up? What's it going to look like? Is this disease I had last year going to return? I got to wait a year for the doctor's appointment. What's the next year going to bring? Is my job on the chopping block? Again, God says, I sent my son for you. I've got what's months away still in my hands. And the Lord gives us comfort. He gives us comfort as he draws us to regularly attend worship where we are not just reminded of our baptism, we are reminded that God took on human flesh for us and God's means of grace nourish and feed and comfort us and assure us we are saved, we're redeemed children of God. Our Savior who was a human being, who took on human flesh, is now ruling over all creation for us. To whom does Jesus come? He comes with comfort to those who wait. Wait for what is soon to come and for what is months away. But there in verse 32, we look ahead quite amount of time in verse 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. Mary would have to wait. How is this going to play out? She would have to wait till Jesus was approximately age 30. That's when somebody was considered no longer wet behind the ears. That's when he came to John the Baptist to be baptized and the Holy Spirit descended upon him. That's when he began his public ministry and worked for three years. Mary would wait, waiting way ahead. She would hear those words of Simeon letting her know a sword would pierce her own soul too. And she would wait at the foot of the cross and watch her child, the child she bore, be tortured, what appears to be being tortured to death by one of the cruelest death inventions of mankind. 
But can you just imagine how it would rend her heart as she heard him say the most awful words ever heard in human history? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because it is there that God abandons God, and I do not understand it, but it is there that he suffers the torment of hell because hell is being abandoned by God, and he does it in under three hours for you and for me. And she does not know what else is going to come. She has to wait. But there on the cross, he says to the disciple, his best friend John, he says, woman, this is your son. Man, this is now your mother. And we're told John the disciple, who's the only one to die of natural causes, he took her into his house and he took care of her as his own. Oh yes, Jesus had that half-brother like James who was martyred. Mary would have to wait to see how all this would work out. And there would be crosses. What was God's answer to that wait? Well, he has the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will never end. The answer is, this is God's son who reigns forever. And this is comfort for you and I as we wait for what is years away. I don't know about you, but I often look ahead and pray, Lord, please keep me from embracing a sin that would drive your Holy Spirit out of my heart. And do you know what God's answer is? It's there in his word. He tells me, look back, look back thousands and thousands of years ago before I, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit began the act of creation, we already planned out for you to hear the word and have faith. We plan to keep you in the faith. It's the doctrine of predestination. It bothers our sinful nature, but it is pure gospel and it is pure comfort. Pure comfort that God tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, in the first chapter of 1 Peter. He tells us in Romans chapter 6 through 8, God said, I plan to keep you and make sure that you arrive on that day to the eternal kingdom of my son. And certainly he warns us, if you're going to run out and embrace a sin like that guy did in Corinth, you can get yourself in trouble. But God says, but you're predestined. I will pull you back. I will throw you the life preserver. This is a comfort as we look ahead to end of times because brothers and sisters in Christ, unbelievers, they fall asleep in the Lord. They say, ah, oh, that's days and years away. And one day it's going to come and catch them by surprise. And those who are God-hating unbelievers and atheists, they're going to, whoa, it's truly God. And it's a terrifying day for them. But for you and I, as we look to what may be tomorrow, but maybe another 2,000 years away, we look at that day with excitement. I have to admit to you, I have selfishly prayed that tomorrow is the last day. Oh man, Lord, the bills need to be paid. Please just come tomorrow and put an end to this. Isn't it a comfort that we actually know someday this is all going to come to an end? Because Jesus Christ is true God who rules forever. He sits on the throne of his father David. David's was a mere political throne. But he was the king of Israel. And the true Israel is the invisible church. And the invisible church is Jesus' kingdom. And you're in it because he rules in your heart. And so we ask, To whom does Jesus come? He comes with comfort to those who wait for what is years away. And we stay in his word and it feeds and nourishes us and constantly reminds us God has saved us, he's predestined us, and he's keeping us safe. And so we conclude our sermon. To whom does Jesus come? He comes with comfort to those who wait. Who wait for what is soon to come, who wait for what is months away, and for what is years away. Because Jesus is true God who's ruling over all creation for us. Amen.
Now blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen.